Welcome to the latest edition of the NPM podcast. I'm your host, Michelle France, and joining me on today's program are the co-founders of Solstice, Steph Spears and Sandia Morali, as well as their policy coordinator, Alex Passanen. Steph will be amongst the keynote speakers at New Project Media's Distributed Generation Development and Finance Forum, which will be held this year on October 10th and 11th in Midtown East New York. But first, they stopped by the program to update us on what's happening with Solstice, a Cambridge, Massachusetts-based customer management provider. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Steph, I'm going to start with you. Um, I was hoping you can give us a little background about Solstice and um, what advice you can give developers as they begin planning their projects. Yeah, sure. So Solstice connects households and businesses to community shared solar farms and our software manages the customer experience for the life of the project. And when developers are thinking about building community solar and subscribing customers, I would suggest selecting a subscriber management partner well in advance. In the past, sometimes developers would approach us very late in the development cycle uh, shortly before a project was going to uh, electrify and they needed to fill projects quickly. And one thing happens when you start later in the process, which is you don't get as much community buy-in. And so much about community solar is about that tr community trust and getting community buy-in. And so the earlier you start, the more likely you'll have the people in the community support projects. And the more the, the trust building you do in partnerships with local community organizations, the kind of partnerships that Solstice does, then the more customers will come in droves together and sign up and enroll for the project together, as opposed to signing up customers one by one, which is less uh, quick and less scalable. So you also have to make sure the product is customer friendly. In the early days of Community Solar, we saw projects that had high FICO scores, cancellation fees, and really hard qualification standards. Now, thankfully, uh, we're seeing developers look around, see the, what the market is offering, and offering something comparable. So no FICO credit checks, no minimum cancellation fee, and easier uh, low-income qualification standards wherever the program will allow, something like self-attestation or geo-qualification, for example. Great, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit how, how you're different from other customer management providers such as Arcadia or Ampion? Yeah, sure. So first of all, there are a lot of good companies in this industry and we're, we're friendly with all of them and it's too small an industry not to be. And it's also, uh, you know, no one goes to rooftop solar developers and says, how are you going to be the only rooftop solar provider? So we want to build an ecosystem where people can work across the country and we focus together on building as much solar as possible. But there are a few ways that Solstice can be differentiated in how we help our developer partners. So one, one is we are the only customer management provider that is backed by a parent company that has an A credit rating um, and a virtually unlimited balance sheet. And so we have a lot of financial stability as a co company, and that allows us to be more easily underwritten by finance uh, and capital providers in the industry. So that's one benefit our developer partners have told us is that because of our strong financial backing and our balance sheet that we can get um, cleared as a partner more easily. Secondly is the IRA makes low-income inclusion more financially viable for developers and financiers 
years, but Solstice has been doing low-income inclusion since our first days of inception in 2014. So for the last nine years, we've been building up experience in how to equitably distribute the benefits of community solar projects to communities in a way that engenders trust and has a high customer satisfaction rate. Our customer satisfaction rate is over nine out of 10 because we care so deeply about taking care of customers and because we care so deeply about building a long-term 20 to 25 year relationship with them. You treat people differently if you're gonna partner with them for 25 years than if you're just looking for a flip and make a money quick model. So we deeply embed ourselves in community. We deeply care and um, have worked in low-income inclusion. We built our own low-income qualification standard called the energy score. That's a more accurate measure than FICO scores at predicting who pays their utility bills on time. And it's more inclusive of low-income Americans that would have been locked out using FICO credit scores. Uh, our developers give us a lot of referrals. So, you know, we care deeply about their satisfaction and cater to their requests for different kinds of reporting that features they'd like to see in our platform. And we've heard from our uh, developer cha partners, channel partners, community partners, so local uh, nonprofits or municipalities on the ground who partner with us to sign up their customers for community solar. We hear from them that they enjoy working with our team because they're good teammates, they're good partners. Uh, they're not telling customers you have to just fit into our one size fit all solution. We work with our partners uh, because we truly care about partnership. So. We have a variety of ways that we've differentiated ourselves across low-income inclusion, across our financial backing, and across the way that we treat customers and go deeply into communities and do traditional community organizing to engender trust. Great, thank you. Can you tell me, um, does Solstice um, have any long-term goals or targets that you guys are hoping to reach in the next few years? Yeah. So, you know, if you look across the next five years, there's going to be about eight and a half gigawatts of community solar built in just the states that have legislation right now. So Solstice intends to be a leading provider for market share in all of the community solar states across the country. And thanks to Alex's hard work on the policy team, we are also working to get additional states access to community solar programming and making sure that our motto of clean energy for every community is true in places, not just uh, traditional community solar states. So working to expand to make sure our community partners from municipalities to large nonprofits uh, who also help us enroll customers for community solar projects, we're also helping them uh, think more expansively about getting access to clean energy. Okay, can you share what some of those states are that you're working in? Yeah, so, you know, all across the country right now, we have partners, community partners, uh, and nothing can be actually announced publicly quite yet, but we're, walk we're working with folks outside of community solar states to get them access to community solar projects. Thank you. All right. Um, so you previously told us um, in an older interview that you guys would be subscribing up to 100 megawatts of projects that were awarded through New Mexico's Community Solar RFP, which took in Sandia. Can you tell me a little bit um, what Solstice is doing to prepare um, if you guys haven't already begun preparing and how long you anticipate it will take to subscribe all those projects? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the main thing that we're doing right now, and we've definitely started preparing, is uh, focusing on advocacy work. And, and Alex on our team has been really leading the charge there. We're working really closely with the program administrator and all of the utilities to make sure all the details of the program are fully ironed out. And from our perspective, it really comes down to looking at all aspects of consumer protection, making sure the program really works for subscribers, especially the low income households that we're really excited about delivering the benefits of clean energy to. Um, so like Seth alluded to earlier, we want to make sure the income verifi verification process is really smooth and really straightforward. Overall enrollment process is streamlined um, and then making sure that any documents customers need to sign are, are clear. So we're working through all of those aspects of, of customer enrollment right now in order to have a really smooth launch. Um, and then to your other question of how long we anticipate it'll take, we're planning all of our partnership campaigns right now in advance of formal enrollment beginning. Generally, we don't like to sign customers up more than six to maybe 12 months in advance of a project going live, but we're planning for all of our overall acquisition efforts um, to really take take place over the next 12 to 18 months. And that covers the initial partnership building, local hiring efforts, which is really key to building trust, um, and then culminate, culminating in formal enrollment. Okay. <clears throat> this and touches Alex. on- Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, Michelle, just this touches on one of your earlier questions of, of you know, how would we advise developers to be successful in their community solar projects? I think part of the reason why Solstice was the named partner for half of the New Mexico awards in the state was because of the work that our partnerships team did to go on the ground and get community nonprofits and grassroots organizations to support the clean energy projects that our developer partners were building. So that goes back to how do you prepare for something like New Mexico? You start early, you get the trust of local communities and our partnerships team is excellent at that. Great, thank you. And Alex, um, she's, uh, Sandia said that you're leading the charge in New Mexico. Um, can you tell me a little bit how subscribing projects there is, is different from maybe some other markets? Yeah, certainly. Um, so it's still early in New Mexico and the enrollment process for the program has really only just launched. Like Sandia said, we're, we're still expecting some changes in the next few months and we're advocating for some of those that I'll talk about. But the first projects likely won't come online in New Mexico until the end of 2024 at the earliest, may well take until 2025. And in general, community solar is obviously brand new to the state which is a relatively, relatively rural state and um, has been subject to some unscrupulous practices by companies in the rooftop solar industry in general. There's no consolidated billing in the program. These will dual bill community solar projects um, and they're really significant low-income carve-outs. So most projects are serving at least 50% of capacity to qualified low-income subscribers. And those require subscription managers like us to verify their income. That's one of the things we're advocating for. We're trying to get the least intrusive methods to be permitted, uh, namely self-attestation. And this is all to say that education and trust building is going to be particularly important in New Mexico because it's new, because of the experience with the solar industry in general. And also because there's one pretty um, niche requirement in the program that we haven't seen anywhere else, which is a statutory requirement to subscribe at least 30% of your projects with low-income subscribers by 12 months from the date of award. So it's it's a bit difficult for all of these companies to have a looming deadline that's not at all related to the actual project development cycle, uh, which comes with a lot of uncertainty. So 
Um, it's going to create really long timelines between when folks are enrolled and when they see their first savings. Um, so again, just education and, and transparency with consumers is key. And, and that'll be something we're talking about a lot in the next six months to a year. Very good. Thank you. Um, was there anything that you've learned from other markets that you've carried over with you um, into, yeah. into New Mexico? Yeah, certainly along the same lines. Um, um, uh, Sandia and Steph have both spoken about this already, but working through trusted channels and, and community partners, making sure that we're a voice in the community that people know what to expect from and, and have heard about. And, and there's someone that they already know and trust who's advocating for our position there. Um, especially when we work on doable projects, which I mentioned the New Mexico projects will be. It's really important that we're proactive communicating with subscribers right as their projects turn on and then the beginning when they experience their first billing cycle. Um, we've worked on projects like this basically everywhere. Uh, we're doing that in Illinois. And even though Illinois is right on the cusp of actually moving to consolidated billing, but I, I'll also take, this is a good opportunity to emphasize just how important consolidated billing is to the community solar market. It's it's great. We're seeing the market across the nation move there as a standard, but uh, it takes a while for utilities to implement these processes. And it also takes a while to make sure those processes are implemented in a way that actually works for asset owners, for developers, for subscription companies like ours. Um, so that's something we'll certainly be pushing for as the New Mexico program unfolds and hopefully expands in the future. Um, but but in general, like I said, with, with a lot of, um, we're so excited to bring bill savings to all the low-income customers in New Mexico, but with a dual bill project in a new market, a state that uh, Community Solar is new to, uh, we'll just be taking all the learnings from from the other states we've worked in about making sure customers understand the product and and, and trust us as a, a subscription partner. Thank you, Alex. Um, Sandia, um, can you tell me a little bit about um, Solstice entering any new markets in the next um, upcoming years? Yeah, absolutely. So we are definitely looking to expand our presence in some of our currently large large markets, uh, New York, Illinois, and expanding our work in New Jersey. We're really excited about the permanent program there uh, coming online, hopefully later this year. And then we're also eyeing Maryland um, and California when, when that program opens up and Colorado as well as, as kind of states on the for us to expand to in the near term. And then of course, underlying all of this is the new federal program, DIRA, ITC adder, which can be something that developers can take advantage of across all of these states. Um, and it will be competitive, but we're excited to support our developer partners in accessing those um, really beneficial low-income tax credits and get more, more low income households connected to clean uh, to connected to clean energy. Great. And um, would you say that there's some markets that are maybe more subscription friendly than others and why? Yeah, and, and Alex and Steph touched on a few of these already, but just to, to summarize uh, where utilities can offer consolidated billing, that makes it a really customer friendly product because customers don't have to provide any payment information up front. Everything kind of shows up on their utility bill. There are some hiccups sometimes when these pro when consolidated billing gets rolled out, but once it's um, functioning smoothly, it makes for a much better customer experience. So we have that in New York right now, Illinois it should be very soon. We're excited to, to be able to take advantage of it there and switch our customers over to consolidated billing. And then both New Jersey and Maryland will have it under their permanent programs. Uh, the second uh, kind of factor that makes these markets really attractive is when you have streamlined income verification. So 
make it really easy for low and moderate income households to prove that they're low and moderate income. There are going to be more and more programs that have an LMI requirement. And so streamlining income verification is going to really be really important for getting you know, many LMI households signed up. Um, so we have self-attestation is kind of the, the best way to prove income, to prove income verification. We have that in New Jersey. And we'll have that under the Maryland permanent program. Um, and then kind of the second best way is through geo-qualification. Uh, and so we have that, so based on where you live. And we have that in New York, uh, Massachusetts, Illinois, and then the Maryland permanent program will have it too. So consolidated billing and really streamlined income verification, ideally self-attestation, will uh, make for really attractive subscription markets. Great, thank you. Um, I'm going to direct the last question to Alex. Um, can you share your thoughts on some of the Midwestern legislative battles being fought for community solar legislation, such as Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania? And where do you think the next market might be and why? Yeah, definitely. We are super excited at Solstice about all of those markets and offer Ohio in there as well. The Midwest in general has tons of suitable land for solar farms and, and a bunch of populous cities. So there's really great potential for a robust community solar markets across the whole region. We, we see it as a when, not if situation for, for these um, bills passing, but can't say I'm, I'm really in the business of speculating how and when these legislative battles will wrap up. But what I will say is there's been a lot of really valuable advocacy already in coalition building across all these states. Thanks to, thanks to community solar groups and, and trade organizations like Coalition for Community Solar Access. A big area of focus in the Midwest has been and will continue to be how the industry works with agriculture and rural communities to make sure this isn't a case of solar companies coming in and gobbling up all the land they can without first engaging with the communities, figuring out what works for them. Um, and, and local leadership is also uh, particularly important in some of these places. So making sure that decisions can be approved at the local level, I think will go a long way. Um, like I said, I don't know which state will come first. I think they're all going to happen, hopefully within the next two years, um, some within a year probably, but there's been tons of talk about community solar and pre-development activities in, in a bunch of these states for a very long time. So it's just about making sure the stars align and we can get these bills passed. Great, thank you. Was there anything else you guys would like to add before we sign out? Well, if you look at the places like the, in the Midwest that have passed solar, like if you go to rural Illinois, for example, and you go to a permitting uh, meeting, you'll see a bunch of clean energy projects or community solar projects being proposed at these permitting meetings. And you can see directly which the projects are opposed by local cu uh, customers and residents and which are uh, in favor of certain projects. And the ones they're in favor of are the ones that have gone out into the community and built trust and talked to the community leaders. And so that's such an important facet of community development and solar development that we should be talking more about as an industry. And so if anyone's interested in talking about how to do that or how to do low-income inclusion, we're here as a resource. Thanks, Thank you, Alex, and thank you, Sandaya. I appreciate you guys joining us today. Tune in next time.